Weekday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Here, Money FM 89.3. This is Market View. I'm Clarissa Montero with JP Ong. JP, did you ever see Santa Kiss Mommy? Um, I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm kind of glad my dad didn't, or else, or else Christmas would be dead. And we'd all focus on why Christmas is really around. It's to celebrate the birthday of Jesus. Happy birthday, Papa Jesus. So. Happy birthday, Papa Jesus, indeed. Although, <laughs> you know, your parents saved at least $35,000 in therapy, not having witnessed Santa kissing mommy. Yeah, probably not. And uh, <laughs> e- mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll leave it that. I mean, there are many ways I can expound on this, but unfortunately, we are bound by certain rules of civility. Uh, civility. <laughs> so, okay, right then. There you go. <laughs> let's go on to the market. It's sunny outside, not so sunny in the markets. Yes, and uh, once again, that uh, that age-old tune that many Filipino aunties love to dance to: cha cha cha, que rico cha cha cha. And up, down, up, down. We have the Straits Times Index pulling it's back tiring, to 3,204. But that is a cha-cha. You know, you're taking it two steps forward, two steps back. And this is what's going to happen pretty much, I think, until the until the year close. Again, as we mentioned, 3,200, it seems like this is the line. And most traders are... are um, at least just comfortable to dance around for the for most of this year. I could be wrong, and if there's another reason why uh, why markets might be hamstrung, uh, that's a better reason than say folks just phoning it in until the year end. Um, let us know. But uh, value turnover seems to be at least uh, supporting your thesis, Clarissa, that uh, maybe traders are just uh, phoning it in for the new until the new year. Three hundred and sixty million Singapore dollars in total value. Oh turnover come on, JP. Only. Can you think of at least three other things you'd rather be doing than working right now? True, and there. And at this point, it's just probably just a few cursory looks at the markets going, okay, are you sure we're going to hold on to this? And I think mm-hmm. right now people are just saying, hey, you know what, 3200 this is probably, uh, we'll, we'll take it at this point, given how volatile and how Good and enough, how I'm going shopping. Jittery. Good enough, for me, good enough for me to at least sit back with a nice glass of scotch and go, hmm, okay, what's next year, right? Right. So 3203 is where we sit right now. And, and honestly, I think until Christmas, we're probably just going to dance around this, maybe in fall. Uh, fall under this level and come back up. And when you look across the, the board, there's a lot of stocks giving things back. UOB was the best performing bank on Wednesday. Today, they're down by about 0.1%, but it's just a very conservative trim. Yang Zichang Shipbuilding gained ground on Wednesday, but again, have taken a step back. They're trading about 0.9% in the red. DBS is in the green by 0.4%. So this is the picture, at least, on the uh, SDI at the moment. Across the region, there's also signs of some profit-taking. So mm-hmm. markets are in the red, but a lot of these markets actually, as we mentioned, were hitting, um, some of them were hitting all-time highs, like the ASX 200. Right. And they are actually down by about 0.3%. So maybe a little bit of profit-taking before the holidays down under. The Nikkei 225 is doing the same thing, saying, you know, this has been a great year. Let's start to trim some of the fat on top of this. Um, they're just down by about eight, uh, se- they're down by about seventy nine points. That's about 0.3 percent in the red for them. Shanghai and Shenzhen also down by about 0.2 percent each. The Hang Seng down by one hundred sixty seven points. So everybody is just trimming. I think at the, at the moment they're just they're, they're just taking a little bit off the top, some haircuts at least for the mm-hmm, market today. Mm-hmm. But I think um, I think at this moment uh, we're, activity might just be a little bit slow and a bit slum. Uh, cumbersome at least until we get to Christmas and even until we get to New Year. So, you know, that's probably it. You know, some people are suggesting that because the president, um, Donald Trump, was impeached earlier this morning, that that's going to put a bit of a dampener on the markets. I actually don't think that personally, because 
it's not a surprise. Yeah, well, number one, it's not a surprise. And number two, when you look at U.S. futures today, they did trim as well. But it's not a big sell-off at mm-hmm. all. It's not a big move up and down. I think markets together are just holding steady. Because as we know, yes, he has been impeached. It's a big thing because I believe he's the third president in, the US, in, in U.S. history to be impeached. In over 200 years, yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, but, but it's not going but, anywhere. But, They've but, already you know, said that. Because, again, uh, the big determinant here is what's going to happen at the Republican-controlled Senate where they're going to hold the trial. And even Senate President Mitch McConnell has mentioned before that you know, we're going to try to make gonna happen. nothing's going to happen, and we're going to try to make this the sw- swiftest acquittal in U.S. history for an, for an impeachment. Um, I, so I think the markets are just basically looking forward and saying, okay, two steps ahead. What's going to happen really with this whole thing? And uh, it, this still puts them in pole position to possibly even uh, to set it up for another four-year term for President Trump. He's certainly Come 2020, leading, he's leading in the, some of the polls. His popularity is leading any Democrat and, yes, right and, now. Yes, and some articles are actually pointing out that his popularity actually rose a bit during the when the impeachment was announced or when the impeachment was making its way through the House of Representatives, mm-hmm. saying that it actually galvanized his base. Um, why did the Democrats do this? Um, there's an argument that uh, the Democrats might have had to do this to galvanize their own base moving forward. But this is a it's a bit of a risky thing when you look at it in the context of the 2020 elections, because mm-hmm. if you got, if you start to solidify or make Trump's uh, President Trump's base a rally around him and really and really solidify, it's going to be hard to get some of them to shift camps and 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 switch over to vote for vote for whoever the Democratic nominee is. We have to figure that out as well, right? And mm-hmm. even within the ranks, I mean, there's been a lot of uh, tense moments, even. And uh, will they be able to put up a united front come November 2020 to challenge uh, President Trump? I'm not sure. And uh, so I think the markets are still looking at a possible four more years under President Trump, which could actually be good. In fact, uh, Goldman Sachs, I think. Might be good for business. Might be good for business because Goldman Sachs actually mentioned that if some of the more socialist leaning uh, uh, Democrats uh, gets the nomination and takes the White House, this could see a market, uh, a sharp market correction. Now, market corrections are about 10, 15% down, mm-hmm. at least for U.S. markets. But what, what will that do as a knock-on, knock-on effect, especially if they roll back or decide to repeal some of the tax uh, breaks that, uh, that President Trump has rolled out and move back or, or move back some of these pro-business uh, advo- advocacies that he's pushed forward during his first term? So, you know, this is just the start of it, really. I mean, folks are saying, yeah, he's been, uh, maybe those who, who are not fans of his, uh, his political opponents, his, his critics have said, yeah, he's being impeached. But keep in mind, this is only step one. and <laughs> The Senate will still be the ones that are going to decide. I think uh, the important fact here is he may only be the third president of the United States to be impeached, but no president of the United States has ever been, been found guilty. Yeah, exactly. He's, uh, that's the thing. I think, and he's not going to be uh, well, the actually, first. Well, actually, I think, Nick, I think was it, was no, it Nixon, Nixon quit resigned before, before he, yeah. they actually got to that. Yes, you're right. So no one has actually so been this removed. Is, so your odds again, if... Uh, it, what, was, what was interesting is, uh, I think one of these political analysts on Twitter actually mentioned when Speaker Pelosi announced that they were going to move forward with impeachment proceedings mm-hmm. in the House, her body language wasn't that strong. It seemed a little bit, uh, bit sour. And they well, were, she didn't seem happy about it. Well, I think it's also because she also realized that she was she had to do this as her duty to. She wasn't happy as about a duty it. To do it. But she wasn't happy because I think she also knew that this is very risky. If this thing doesn't come, if, a the odds of uh, of removing an American president through the impeachment process is over uh, two at the moment. And if they if, and if it, it does fail, it could galvanize again President Trump's base. So. 
in the political calculus of what this will mean for the 2020 elections, I mean, it's still very unclear. Well, the only other president other than Nixon who was impeached did get two terms. Yes, he did. And that's the other thing too, right? He did get two terms, President Clinton. Um, yeah, so... So who knows? Who knows what this is going to mean for the markets? And I think that's also why markets are kind of going, all right, well, call us when something actually moves or happens on this yeah, front. When, yeah, but we have some scenarios let us know already. what to think about and, 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 and how And, it and goes. again, this, is, this comes down to when you look at some of these political events and what it'll mean for the markets, look, try to look at what the end game actually is. For instance, case in point, last week we saw the British pound strengthen mm-hmm, after that mm-hmm, conservative mm-hmm. victory. Yay, there's some clarity. We have some u- direction for... For that UK politics. But then they wiped that out this week when uh, Prime Minister Johnson said, hey, you know, I'm introducing some of this legislation to make sure that we leave or we're not governed by European Union laws by December 2020 at the latest, with or without this trade deal, with or without uh, a Brexit deal. And, and markets suddenly said, yeah, we're, we're, we're pairing back, we're giving back gains. But was there any real surprise that, he, that this was something that he could possibly do? The same thing with uh, with this thing. Yeah, you know, maybe those who are in favor of the impeachment process might be celebrating. But what will this actually mean ultimately for the 2020 elections? I think that's the big question. You've always got to link it back to that if you're trying to do your calculus of what this will mm. mean for the markets and global economies as well. Well, the geopolitical analysts are going to be busy over the next few oh. Weeks, months. Well, they've been busy for the last three years. Huh? Four, four or five years, haven't they? <laughs> What's another couple of years, guys? What's another Come couple on. of years, guys? But hey, at least you guys have work. <laughs> exactly. That's what, uh, that's what one of my um, editors' friends said. Hey, you know, with a new with a President Trump second term, you have a job. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know why I wouldn't have a job <laughs> if it wasn't a President Trump for a second term. <laughs> but okay. Now I hear the broadsheets in Minnesota are hiring. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Oh, thanks, JP. <laughs> it's a lovely place I hear. Anyway, go Especially on. Especially in winter. High flux. We talked about this yesterday. Yes. This is starting to feel a little bit like a watered-down Game of Thrones. It's starting to seem this way. And, I find, and you know, this is actually, I, I have to credit the Lee Mei-Sian from the Business Times. She, they did point out in their article today that this might actually complicate the buyout deal of or, or the rescue financing of Utico, the Middle Eastern utilities firm, for, who agreed to put down about $400 million Singapore dollars in rescue financing for High Flux. And, and uh, the only thing that uh, High Flux's um, advice Advisors Entan, Entan Corporate Advisory said that this the move for Aquamunda to try and acquire $1.8 billion of the perpetual debt at the moment. He says that the creditors now have options or more options. And we saw, saw that as a good thing, actually. Well, here's something that they actually pointed out, uh, that some, some folks actually pointed out. So $1.8 billion, Singapore dollars in debt, is what... Uh, what Aquamunda is offering to buy. These are 4.25% notes due in 2018, 4.6% and 4.2% notes due in 2019 from High Flux. And this is a good thing. And this is a good thing because, hey, again, it gives them options, right? But this $1.8 billion is about two-thirds of the total $2.8 billion in debt shouldered by High Flux. So that's, that's also a good thing. You know, someone's going to be able to take, take some of this debt off, off the hands of the perpetuals. This might actually provide another option for financing for High Flux down, down the road. But here's the thing. They will suddenly take a majority of the high-flux perpetual securities and preference shareholders. They're going to be, mm-hmm. this group, Aquamunda, will be holding that. Now, if Aquamunda holds this, there is a chance that this could actually, um, they could actually uh, mount a challenge against Utico's deal. Remember, Utico, 
the deal for you to go to Rescue Hyflux will be put forward to debt holders at a scheme meeting next year in March. So if they take this debt, this $1.8 billion, they'll have the majority of the, of, uh, the, of the stake of debt holders. And that's because you only need 25% of the unsecured debt holders to say, we don't like this deal. We blow this out of the water at the moment. So what we, And we don't know exactly who Aquamunda is representing and why they're actually doing this also. All, all we know at the moment, and this is according to um, uh, the Business Times, they understand that Singaporean businessman Bambang Sugeng Kajairi, I hope I, get this, I hope I didn't butcher the name again, he owns Aquamunda and is also a representative of an investor group from the Middle East that mm-hmm. nobody knows about. So here's the thing. Utico is an Emirati Utilities firm. Mm-hmm. You've got Aquamunda... Uh, who's, who's, uh, who's, uh, who, whose owner is a representative of an investor group in the Middle East. Could this be a Game of Thrones thing? But could this be a Game of Thrones thing that's actually in the Middle East? Perhaps some tensions, there's beef in the Middle East that's translating in Singapore. Well, again, I, I, I have to be careful about this because I'm in danger of possibly speculating, right? right. But it does raise all these questions. Who is Aquamunda representing in the Middle East? What do they want? Why are they suddenly and interested the in all this debt? And the question is, who wants the water more? <laughs> yes, and who wants the more, right? Um, uh, so, and what will this mean for Highflux? Because if people do sell their perpetuals to them and mm-hmm. say, you know, we're getting out of Dodge. Here we go. Here Thanks, you go. Guys. Take it. Bye. Suddenly, Aquamunda, Aquamunda is in a pole position to maybe even veto Utico's deal down right. the road, should they want to. Or this could also be in the, I mean, I think a lot of this will only be answered once we figure out who exactly Aquamunda is representing and what their intentions are. I feel like a father was, in, was grilling his daughter's <laughs> date, right? What are your intentions? Um but we have to figure out what uh, what what exactly they want. But this does this does raise a few interesting scenarios, and uh, it certainly does. Which is why I introduced the subject as a watered down Game of Thrones. Ah yes, ah yes, and embattled at that. I hope it was been treated. <laughs> so. <laughs> Also, what I would call a developing story for mm. us next year. Yes, I think uh, I think this is this means that uh, high flux. You're you're still in the news cycle, and we still need to. We've figure got out what's our eyes happen. on you, definitely, and rightfully so. I mean, this is still this still means that uh, the fate of one of Singapore's water treatment companies is still at stake, right? And, All right. Uh, yeah. You know, th- there are other stories in in business today, but this one really caught my eye because this. Uh, was my record company and is still my publishing <laughs> house, Universal Music. And China's Tencent. Tell so once in a while it. when I do my European rap, I talk about you yeah, about Vivendi, which is one of the biggest media are companies in, war in, well? in, 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 in France. <laughs> they are at war with Mediaset in, in Italy, which they own a stake in. That's a different Game of Thrones story. <laughs> but let's not uh, delve deep in, uh, let's not uh, go down that rabbit hole. For now, all we know is that... Uh, Ten, as that uh, Vivendi has been trying to sell a stake in Universal Music to try and fund other uh, other other ventures. Tencent mm-hmm. has come out and actually tried to t- buy a stake in Universal. And this uh, stake, it's I believe it's um, it's at about twenty five. I want to say twenty to thirty percent stake in uh, in Universal. But they're trying to find help to do this, and they've asked Singapore's GIC actually, our Sovereign Wealth Fund, to come in and try to help them. Um, help bolster the uh, bid because for the last six months, Tencent's been interested for the last six months. They've been struggling to find money to complete the transaction. They've been approaching a number of other private equity firms that have decided to walk away, such as KKR, the the big U.S. private mm-hmm. equity fund mm-hmm. that recently started a buyout fund here in Asia uh, worth more than $12 billion. But they've said, no, thanks. We're not really interested in helping in 
in taking a taking a piece of, of uh, universal music with you. Hellman and Friedman have also walked away from these, and now Singapore's GIC has also come out and said, you know what, I'm going to go and try and figure and find other folks to help us with this particular bid. So, but so far, GIC's one of those uh, one of those firms or with the Sovereign Red Fund that's still. That's bit that says you know what we're still interested in possibly taking this uh, this stake with you. So, just to remind some of our listeners, um, a who's who of who's signed under Universal Music at the moment. You've got Lady Gaga, Taylor Swift, Drake, Kendrick Lamar. So it goes uh, from pop to hip hop to to contemporary or, mm-hmm. or or what I call former cl- former country music. And you've also they also do have some of the, the rights to some of the songs of the Beatles. So this is actually a big inventory and a big. Uh, I guess footprint in the music industry also. It's still and we'll the see biggest Tencent. music group in the world. It is. And mm-hmm. Tencent could actually take a, take, take a stake in this alongside our own Singapore uh, GIC Sovereign Wealth Fund. But again, only GIC can determine whether or not the deal makes sense. And the fact that they're talking to Tencent means that they're, that they're open at least to, to possibly uh, well, taking a piece of that pie. they're exploring their options. They are exploring their options. They're still dating. They're not <laughs> in a relationship. We're not in a relationship. That's true. So, so that, that, so, so, this is what's, uh, this is something that uh, that's going to be uh, interesting to monitor next year because it also it now just not not just involves GIC but it also involves a French company that owns uh, I believe Universal Music originally uh, an American uh, label. Yep. And also, you've got a Chinese tech firm that's trying to broaden its footprint in media and music. Also, so right. a lot of these things intersecting, not just in terms of different industries, but also different geographies. And again, again, just just to show that business and global business is a lot more intersected, and 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 what happens halfway around the world can definitely be influenced or influence what happens here. No. Absolutely. I think the the big thing is how much are those catalogs worth? It's not so much who the stars are anymore because let's True. face it, music makers per se aren't making the big bucks they used to. No. It is the publishing rights. It is who owns those songs, those catalogs. Mm-hmm. And that's where the money really is always going that's to be. That's true. It's it's going to be these classics that will mm-hmm. that you know we're going to still be pumping on the radio and Universal years Music down the road. owns most of the the best most historically significant recordings like Sarah Vaughan and Ella Fitzgerald and Duke Ellington. Yeah, and I, this is also probably why uh, Vivendi is saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna relieve ourselves with twenty to thirty percent stake, but we're not letting complete, we're Absolutely. not letting go completely of uh, of uh, of Universal Music because it's still a very notable um, player in the global music scene, right? Well, it's still a moneymaker and it's definitely <laughs> a moneymaker. Yes. All right, tomorrow. It's going to be fun for us because it is our last uh, market view wrap for the year with Jeff Howie. But before we get there, you are going to have to come back and tell us if we danced around 3200 at the close. It's probably going to happen. And, uh, <laughs> but again, I could be wrong. A lot of things can happen to the markets. That said, um, val- appetite's not that impressive. Let's see if it picks up towards the tail end of the session. Well, he's going to have you covered. He's JP Ong. He comes back on primetime at 4 p.m., I'm Clarissa Montero for the Workday Afternoon. This is Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.